History Teachers Talking Podcast short lectures have now grown up and moved to their own channel. Don't forget to subscribe to our new podcast, History Shorts, wherever you're listening to this episode. Meanwhile, thanks for listening to History Teachers Talking, and here is your newest episode. This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. Part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Fresca, and welcome back to our podcast. What do we got today, Tommy? Well, today we're going to delve into a part of history, I guess, we don't really do as much. What we're going to be talking about here, there's a lot of uh, information here. We're going to be talking about Mary, the Queen of Scots, who was the Queen of both England and briefly France, believe it or not, and held a claim to the Queen of England as well. During well she was the Queen of Scotland and then held a claim to Queen of England, yes. um, although never really awarded to her because you know no. her cousin well, he, was not really happy about that her cousin was queen elizabeth the first yeah the yes well that's monarch that's right and i feel like the reason for, not that we, that's the reason we don't do it but even when i read this and when i study this and when i teach this i actually teach the subjects it's always so confusing because this one's cousins with this one and this one's married to this one because they needed to kind of have an alliance yeah well they're all marrying cousins and they're also they all share the same grandmother on one exactly. side and stuff like that and there's some other guy who's like the heir who says he's the heir from his cousin who was originally the king and he's got claims 300 years claims. ago yeah so there's yeah. a lot of that and they they throw i guess the students will call it throwing shade at each other by a bunch of different ways yeah. like today like with changing the coat of arms and stuff like that that was something that was really big that happens back then so yeah there's ways for them to get out i just kind of was thinking this today we were having a little conversation before this about like some like politics before we started recording and it's just like this, this, this was the politics of the day. You know, you didn't have yeah. people going on social media saying these things, doing these sound bites. You still, it was still all there, is what yeah. I'm trying to say, too. Like, it was still the, all the background gossip and stuff like that. Oh, her husband died. Oh, you know, she had him killed, right? Like, luckily, that's yeah. not where politics are at the moment. Hopefully, we don't get there. And also, religion <laughs> was such a big deal back then as well. Yes. Like, oh, this one's bad. This one's a Catholic. That's really what this is. This is, a, this is an example of the Protestants versus the Catholics. That's yes. really where that what this comes down to. Because if Mary wasn't Catholic, a lot of her troubles probably wouldn't be there. So you know? let's get going into Mary, also known as Mary, Queen of Scots. Queen as of you Scots. pointed out, they did just make a movie about her. Margot Robbie plays Queen Elizabeth. I'm not sure who the actress is that plays uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, but we're going to look into Mary today. So Mary's father, King James V, King of Scotland, he died on December 14th of 1542 following the Battle of Soloway Moss. Yeah. Well, only six days before that, his wife gave birth to a baby girl, and they named her Mary. So, on his death, baby Mary literally became the Queen of Scotland. She was six days old. Infant and her uncle, her great uncle, Henry VIII, made a bid for control of her pretty pretty yeah. quickly, actually. And her mother um, ended up acting as regent because she was made queen after just like a week or so. What winds up happening at the age of five, Mary is betrothed. Um, to Henry VIII's only son, Edward, because Henry wants to secure an alliance with Scotland to distance Scotland from France because Scotland's becoming too buddy-buddy with France and they're also becoming a little too Catholic. So Henry VIII's like, all right, my son Edward is going to marry Mary. And Mary's like five at the time. Um, the Scots refused the match. They're like, yeah, no. Instead, yeah. at six years old, Mary is betrothed to Francis, who's the heir to the French crown. Um, so they, again... The one thing that Henry VIII was trying to discourage is actually happening. The Scots are leaning more towards France. 
And Mary's really used as like a political pawn, even from a yeah, very young age. Absolutely. And that's what's going on. And it's all because, like you said, the Scot the Scottish didn't parliament basically didn't want to be married to Henry's son. And that was because the, they were Catholic. And they yeah. objected to plan because England had separated from the Catholic Church at this point. So they just that match was annulled, goes to France. And she spent a lot of time in France because her mother was actually French. Yeah. The mom sends her over. The mom was yeah. French, and, and she taught her to speak French, and then she sends her over to France at the age of five. And she's actually raised in a court of King Henry II yeah. um, in, you she, know, in yeah. France. She did very well. She's taught multiple languages. She learns you know, French, English. I think she learned Spanish and Italian also. Um, she's known for being – she's actually known for being quite beautiful too. She was about a teenager at this you know, point. She was 5'11". She was yeah, taller than me. Which is tall from this time. Yeah. yeah. And, um, that's still today. Especially, yeah, especially for a woman. And she was also known for, and I think that's also what it kind of intrigued people about it. But she was known for her beauty. Also, she was apparently a, a um, excellent dancer. So they yeah. would like show her off and stuff, a lot of these galas and everything. And she was sought after. So she had a lot of power. She had a lot of this like aura about her. And she had a claim, like we said before, to not only Scotland, but also France. She is named Queen of France briefly. She was considered more French than yes. actually Scottish. She was, you know, she was a French woman. She was literally raised there from the age of five. Yeah. So through her cousin Henry VIII, she has some Tudor blood. Therefore, she is yeah. technically they share the same grandmother. Yes, her grandmother was a Tudor, so that's what that's what has her. And she was briefly the Queen of France from 1559 to 1560 because hmm. she does marry. Oh, Francis. Fr- yeah, she marries Francis. Uh, Francis, the, the eldest son of Henry yeah. II of yeah, she, France. So she marries him in 1558. She's 14, he's 15. She mm-hmm. becomes queen a year later. A year after that, both her mother and her husband die. Uh, they get they die from disease. So when they die, she goes back to Scotland, but she wants England. She's like the Renaissance princess of her time. She marries Francis, uh, who's the, as we mentioned, eldest son of Henry and Catherine. In France, so she becomes kind of French royalty. She sees herself more as French than anything else. This is 1558 when um, when they get married, and they, as you mentioned, they're really young. So the belief today is that the marriage was never consummated. Like these guys were just too young at the time. And then what happens is a session of Queen Elizabeth, because this plays a big part here. Elizabeth the Tudor ascends to the throne in England in November of 1558 as well, the same year that uh, Mary gets married in France. And Mary becomes, by virtue of her Tudor blood, the next in line to the English throne. But because she's, you know, she's a Roman Catholic, there's a big issue with that. And people are like, mm, not well, really. Mary. Yeah. And then Elizabeth refuses to name Mary her heir. Yeah. Because you have to name it and she refuses to ever do that. There's some other things, too, that Mary does. What she does is she wants to go back to England, like you said. She goes back to Scotland first. And she changed or quartered what is called her coat of arms. To reflect mm-hmm. her claim to England. And then when Queen Elizabeth hears about this, that enrages her. It's like, you know, she's changing the coat of arms so that she has a claim to England, which she doesn't. In her she's mind. only 18 years old at this yeah, time. Oh, yeah. They're, well, they're both pretty young, too, right, yeah. at this point. Elizabeth's not that much older. Um, and then when Elizabeth refuses to name her heir, Mary refuses to acknowledge the Treaty of Edinburgh, which mm-hmm. is what accepted Elizabeth's right as Queen of England which basically recognized that. So she refuses to acknowledge that. Because she ever outright says, you know, I should be queen, but by refusing to acknowledge it, it's kind of those like backdoor, you know, channels and stuff like that. Think of like a pocket veto type of thing. Yeah. You know, I guess so you could say nowadays. So they're kind of just doing these back and it's kind of little shots at each other, you know? 
And things are not going well. So not only no. are things not going well between her cousin in England and, you know, and Mary in Scotland, but things are not going that great in Scotland as well, because during her absence, remember, she left from like five to 18. Uh, she was raised very much Catholic in France. When she comes back, the religion, official religion of Scotland has since changed, changed to, to Protestant, to yeah. Protestant, right? So she kind of, because she gets in there, you have the Calvinist movement is really strong and, and they kind of see her as this foreign queen. She's like, you know, yeah. an alien religion. She's a foreign queen. She's French. What does she know? So a lot of Scottish nobles are not really yeah. in her court. Like yeah, the they're land, not no. with her. The, the land barons don't like her. Now there's still uh, still a lot of Scottish Catholics at the time too. But this conflict that's going on, I'm going to call it a war, even though it will become one in a little bit. The Protestants are definitely winning. They're outnumbering the Catholics at this point. And Mary knows this, and she has she's it's constantly an uphill battle because, like you said, those barons are not supporting her at all because they are mostly Protestant. And one of the um, biggest ones was a man by the name of John Knox, and he actually creates the Church of Scotland. And he outright says, one, I do not believe women should rule, and two, a Catholic woman should definitely not rule because Catholicism is the wrong religion. Yep. So although she's popular with some nobles and some people, she's also not with a lot of with the majority. But she was. Well, she turns to, to her brother. Doesn't she turn yeah. to her brother for some legitimacy? Does that? She's she'll start practicing mass in secret and at night, mm -hmm. so that it's not like out in the open. She yeah. recognizes Protestantism. She says that's fine if you are a Protestant. She's not like trying to persecute Protestantism as as queen. Um, it's just not really working very well for her. So what no, she, so so James Stewart, right? So James Stewart becomes uh, the first Earl of Moray. That is her half brother, I guess, right? So he winds up helping her kind of get in there because James Earl of Moray, also known as James Stewart, he is definitely pro Calvinist reformer John Knox, right? He opposes uh, a lot of the things that his sister does, particularly the religious aspect, but he has to respect somewhat because of the fact that he's re his religion is the right one. But the issue with James Stewart is that he's an illegitimate son of King James V. So therefore, he's not really the heir to the throne. Mary is. He is not. But because he's more respected amongst different lords, she uses him. And she's willing to make concessions. Like she does get married again. She's married three times total. Her yeah. second marriage is actually to a man named Henry Stewart. And that's where, as we said before, some of the stuff gets complicated. Like yeah. the last names and stuff. They're not related, but they have some Yeah, no, no. James is a half-brother. Henry's a yeah. different guy. Henry's a different guy. They, they actually get married. And he's a Protestant. So yeah. by marrying a Protestant, the idea is that she can, you know, this is totally an arranged marriage in that regard. It's her cousin, it's her cousin too. Yeah, it's her cousin, too. Well, yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's commonplace. Uh, yeah. Back then. <laughs> back then. She's. I think she's 23 at the time when this happened. Yeah, so she's a little bit older. And she gets she gets married to Henry Stewart. He's a Protestant. They do have a son named James. Remember that because he's going to come into play. But during this whole time, she's as I'm sure uh, Henry's probably having too. She's having it's believed she's having an affair yep. with a man, this one of her court members by the name of David Rizzio, and he's a Catholic. It's her secretary. It's her secretary, and they believe she's having an affair with him. Stewart was kind of jealous of him. Of, of, yeah, so of Henry Stewart. So we could also refer to Henry Stewart as Earl of Darnley, so we don't get confused with her brother, James Stewart. So the, her husband, second husband, uh, Henry Stewart, the Earl of Darnley, he winds up figuring out that his wife is basically cheating on him behind his back with this other young guy that happens to be Catholic who is considered her not just secretary, but also confidant. Yeah, right? and you guys remember when that gets out too, now all the court members and all the barons, they're, they're, they're going to snicker. They're going to yeah. joke. Like it, It's one thing that they kind of assume something like that is probably happening. Like they know the king's got his 
harem, whatever you want to call it, right? And that the Creed might be doing something similar. But when it becomes more public knowledge, that's when it has to be addressed. Like anything else, it becomes a scandal. Rizzo winds up telling her that Darnley wants to assassinate her. Yeah. Right? And this becomes kind of interesting here, too, because at this time, she gives birth, like you said, to their son, James, in June, right? And, and even though the marriage is pretty much over, uh, James is now the heir to the Scottish throne, right? I mean, this, he's a baby. Something will happen to Mary when she was little. Doesn't she also, at this time, develop another adulterous relationship with James Hepburn, the Earl of Bothwell? I'm almost positive. That's not, Well, that's when they believe something's going on. She does eventually. She will marry him eventually. Yeah, because the, she was sleeping with the Rizzo guy. Yeah. She's cheating on her husband. But I also think she now starts sleeping with and James Hepburn. So uh, Rizzo um, actually gets assassinated. He gets yep. stabbed 57 times as apparently Mary looked on. She apparently was like there when it when it happened. Kind of she no longer wanted to be married to Darnley. Yeah, Henry Darnley, the Earl. Darnley, right? they, yep. And then he is just a year later mysteriously killed in February 1567 in an explosion. Well, explosion but he supposedly <laughs> survives the explosion and then he is blown up but then strangled his body says was strangled yeah. and this is iffy because the, which he dies on february 9th of 1567 it's this house on the outskirts of Edinburgh. so darnley lay recovering from some illness so he's the husband of mary queen of scots and while he's recovering from this illness apparently something happens where the house sets on fire it blows up darnley supposedly tried to escape but while he was trying to escape, he somehow got strangled because when his body was taken out, it wasn't that he died from the explosion or from the fumes. He definitely died from strangulation. So no one really knows why he died, how he died. Some people say that he was trying to actually blow up Mary and was just caught in his own trap. Other people believe that Mary had him killed so she could start officially hooking up and marry yeah. the next guy. Yeah. Um, who was or that uh, she at least knew about it help him help him yeah yeah Hep hepburn uh yeah. bothwell yeah yeah or, or that she at least knew about it and didn't warn him that's that was that was they say at the very least she probably knew about and just yeah. didn't warn him i'm ken harbaugh host of the new medal of honor podcast from evergreen podcasts brought to you in partnership with the national medal of honor museum in each three-minute episode We'll learn about a different service member who distinguished him or herself through an act of valor. We'll include stories from the Civil War to Iraq and Afghanistan, and from all branches of the military. We'll talk about service members who were overlooked for the medal at first due to their race or religion, and about those who were celebrated at the time. We'll hear stories of soldiers like Audie Murphy, future Hollywood star who mounted a burning tank to hold off German infantry in World War II, and people like Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, a Civil War Army doctor and the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor so far. Learn about these heroes and more wherever you get your podcasts. So yeah, so he winds up dying, like I said, like very Suspicious. foul play. He was definitely involved, right? And but the then, counselors, counselors are telling her like, don't get married right away. It's going to be fishy. Yeah. Your husband just got blown up. Don't do anything. But well, three but months later. She gets married to the number one suspect, which exactly. is J James Hepburn. So he's yep. an, uh, the Earl of Bothwell, like you said. So he's yep. the main suspect. And then she marries. And this is like, you know, I, don't know, I know they made a movie about this. You're a Hollywood producer. You're reading this. You're going to be like, wow, this makes yeah. a great movie. Let's get Margot Robbie. Let's get Barbie to be playing it. But anyway. Um, well, she plays Elizabeth. Come on. Yeah, well, Elizabeth's a big, a big star in this movie. We too. ever do a thing on Elizabeth? Um, I don't know if we took. I know we've mentioned her in a couple of things. 
Yeah. She's actually focused just on her. But oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. So but, what, what happens here? Right. So they, the two of them get married. Yeah. And they knew each other long before this. He kind of always wanted to be king. He had a lot of influence on her. She had her own ambitions also. He actually abducted her at one point and held her in a, in a castle. In Dunbar Castle yeah. for a while, like before all this came down. But it was a very scandalous marriage. And um, the Scottish nobility rise against her. They were told her, don't do it. She does it anyway. So Bothwell. Well, he's super unpopular, right? They said it, yeah. it caused, not only did it cause an outrage in the Scottish nobility and the, just the general population, where like, we don't like this guy. He was deeply unpopular. And not only was he unpopular himself, they thought that he was like a womanizer and so on and so forth. And is this the right person to marry our queen? But also, the public truly believed that he was the one to have killed Darnley. Like he was the one that killed yeah, her previous he, husband. Whether he did or not, the fact that the public believed that, that just kind of, that's what they were saying. You can't marry this guy. It's only going to make things worse. And she does it anyway. Well, and now after that happens, right? Mary faced rebellion, faces rebellion from Scottish nobles. They oppose the rule, not just yeah. his, but her rule. They're all against what she's doing. And the forces that oppose her meet at the Battle of Carberry Hill in June of 1567. And actually, Mary's, Mary's defeated, right? Yeah, she's, she, her forces are beaten. Um, he goes into exile. Well, he, he goes into exile. He like exile. He, he, you never see him again. He just dies in exile. She actually is captured. And she's locked in a castle on the island of Lockhaven. And they believe it's there. I've read a couple times, a couple different places that she miscarried twins there. She was pregnant at the time and she miscarried twins, probably um, Hepburn's twins. So she would have had other children, which would have complicated this even more. And then later on that year in 1567, she advocates the throne to her son, James VI of Scotland. But he's only a year old. He's only a year old. So the barons are kind of going to control him and they already decide they're going to raise him Protestant. Well, and there's also this other issue with her more famous cousin because... Queen Elizabeth has a lot of people that don't like her, right? Even back in England, specifically the Catholics. So the Catholics of England hoped that Elizabeth's cousin, Mary Stuart, Queen of Scots, would someday become the Queen of England. Both the Pope and the rulers of Spain actively support Mary in her quest yeah. to unseat Elizabeth. So you have Spain and, and you have the Pope and you have the Catholic Church. It's like, Mary, you can do this. You have the claim to the throne. You should unseat Elizabeth. Initially, Mary, was she faces the revolt from the Scottish subjects, and she flees actually- to England. She flees well, she's to England. Castle, yeah, she's in that castle for a while and she tries to escape a couple times. One time, as a washwoman, yeah, and it failed, gets caught. One time, she tries to, like, I guess, cross a canal at night, gets caught. She tries to do that a second time, actually succeeds. And she gets to England and she thinks she's going to be accepted there. Well, because Elizabeth initially is like, All right, I'll help you, I'll protect you, come in, yeah, because she's royal, she she has to be, she's royalty and she's family, yeah. So, but it's kind of like this weird way because she is royalty, like we said, she is family, but she also is a threat to your power. Yeah. And she's kind of openly said this, not, but like backdoor channels, you know, she knows that, you know, she has the support of all the Catholics in England. So there, there is still that threat to her power, like we said. So she's placed under house arrest um, right away when she comes in. And she winds up staying there for 20 years. Yeah, 18 which is, to 20 which is, years. I think it, 20 or 20, it might be 20 years, under house arrest. While yeah. uh, the kingdom, like the region of Scotland, is her brother, her half-brother, becomes uh, the region of Scotland, uh, James Stewart or the first Earl of Moray. He's a Protestant dude, so Elizabeth's like, yeah, you take care of that. You chill in Scotland. It was cool. Mary's going to stay here. And they lock her up in captivity. Like I said, for the rest of her life, really. Yeah, she's just const- she's moved a lot too. It's not always in one spot. Nope. Yep. So they're constantly moving around, and she's we say she's being locked up. She's not in like prison. Yeah. No. No. She's she, still she's, royalty. she's royalty. She's treated well. There's just always guards around her. They know what she's doing. They, they you know. So there's 
they want to keep an eye on her because they don't want her to get in touch with these other, these Catholic forces, which are applying to remove the Protestant Elizabeth. So what Mary does that further kind of like irritate Elizabeth is she names the Catholic Philip of Philip the second of Spain, her heir. Yeah. So that if and Elizabeth's happens, like, bro, I like, what are you doing? You you can't be doing that. And obviously, this yeah. is again, it all boils down to Catholics versus Protestants. So that's where this is basically going. Well, she's being, yeah, and while she's hanging out, though, they said that first of all, a few things you mentioned, like she's not in a dungeon, right? No, no, she's, um, but she's, she's really not allowed to go out. I mean, she's kind of locked up in this like beautiful little castle as she's moved to another beautiful little castle. And she said she would like embroidery was a big thing. She would love to like sit with her pets. I was like, she was big into lap dogs and singing birds. And she would like sit there and sew things during this time. They said her health suffered. It makes just 20, 20 years, um, lack of any physical exercise. So they said she, her beauty disappeared. She gained a lot of weight. And even like looking at later on paintings of her, they said that like she was just not the same Mary. It was almost stressful. like Elizabeth. Yeah, like Elizabeth did this on purpose. Like she locked her up so she would like lose her beauty. You might say. Yeah, there was a bit of a rivalry. That's what I was kind of getting with some of the things I was reading too. That it was kind of like, I think the movie from, I was watching some of the trailers and stuff from the movie, they do kind of say that Elizabeth and Mary did talk to each other. There's no historical record they ever had any direct correspondence. Yeah. It kind of showed them like talking through like curtains and stuff. Like it was never official, but here they are talking. So it was, you had, you had kind of that sort of thing, but there was definitely a rivalry there because like, like well, Mary, Mary, has Mary, claim to the Mary had the claim and she wanted to be the queen. Remember she lost and it. So did Spain. And so did France wanted her to be a queen. Like yeah. every Catholic, every major Catholic country yeah, that is against they, England. Exactly. Has this is their this is their way in because they hate England and they're like all right France and and Spain are like this the two other major empires besides England have this woman that actually has a claim that you know to the kingdom yeah. and she's their religion like we got to do our best and that's what winds up happening here is a plot is discovered in 1586 to assassinate Elizabeth yeah. and bring about this Roman Catholic uprising. And it's spearheaded by uh, the Catholic church It's spearheaded by the Pope and Spain and France. And Queen Elizabeth realizes like, where they're about to bring up this Catholic uprising and there's this plot to assassinate me. It's pretty obvious who they're going to put in my place. So she realizes at that moment in, in 1586, that Mary is more dangerous to her alive than just being locked up anywhere even if she's locked up yeah. and she can't do anything she's still too dangerous because people have the ideas that mary could overthrow her yeah so, she was brought on trial so mary was brought on trial right it was sir crazy, francis right? yes sir francis um weisingham he yep. was basically the spy master he can he got all these letters now there's some debate today if these letters were forgeries or not but there's no debate whether there was, mary was definitely conspiring somehow to get on the throne. Everyone knew Yeah, that. with the Catholic Church. Yeah. yeah. And Elizabeth, so on 1814, 1586, Mary was found guilty. She said that she had nothing to do with it, but she was found guilty nonetheless. But Elizabeth still is refusing to sign her death warrant, which was I thought was interesting. Yeah. And then she finally does sign it. However, it is a, a condition in it that says, I have to be consulted before Mary is executed. I don't, from what I kind of gathered, she didn't want to really kill her. Yeah. Like it was kind of like, let me just keep her in captivity. We'll throw her in like a real dungeon now or something like that. He's still, she's still entitled to certain things because of her royal blood and everything. But she, I don't think she really wanted her dead. Or maybe she just didn't want to seem like she wanted her dead. Who knows? Like, you know, but um, she, on February 8th, she was actually, Mary was executed, but Elizabeth was never consulted about it. Yeah. And, but, well, there's just the sheer fact though, that she is, 
she's literally a sovereign queen of another country and she's brought on trial and condemned, which is kind of crazy. And to make and to justify it, though, right, even though like Elizabeth might not have had the direct cause of this, they justified it by asking her son. Uh, but she never met her son. She literally yeah. was taken away when the son was born. So the son literally never met the mother or knew the mother. He was raised in a completely different religion, right, by under the tutelage of James Stewart, her half-brother. This guy, as far as he's concerned, he's like, yeah, you got fine, kill her. It's fine. Like he would become the the you know the new king of of Scotland. So he's like, whatever, it's fine. So what winds up happening is she is executed in 1587. Um, they said in the Great Hall, right? Of where is it? Foth Faringsgay Castle near Peterborough, yeah, North Hampshire. Yep, yeah. she was only 44 years old. And how did they execute her? They Didn't cut they chop her head off. Yeah, they cut, cut, cut off her head. And she supposedly wore like a black dress and everything, being with the Catholic religion, um, yeah. to have like one last like stands of defiance, basically. Um, yeah, so she, she winds up getting killed. And when she was killed, um, she, her body was buried in Peterborough Cathedral. That's what it yeah, was West, for all. Westminster Abbey. Then eventually Westminster Abbey. Well, it right? was moved to Westminster Abbey years later because this is what they kind of say. A lot of years were all like, you know, Mary gets the last laugh because eventually James, her son, James VI of Scotland, becomes James I of England when Elizabeth dies in 1603. And that mm-hmm. ends the House of Tudor and starts the Jacobin era. And then when he becomes when he becomes king, he has his mother's body moved. Um, when he becomes King James I of England, he has his mother's body moved to Westchester Abbey in 1612. And that's where it's, oh. I believe, still is today. So it was originally buried underneath the cathedral, and then he has it moved when he becomes king. So even though he's like, yeah, kill her, but he still recognized that as my mother. Did you read the whole, like, how gruesome the whole... That's kind of a cool story, by the way. The gruesome aspect of when they was ex- she was executed. The executioner took several swings of the axe. They did with an axe to complete the execution. And it's customary, as was customary, he went to lift the severed head to proclaim God save Queen Elizabeth, because that's what you said after any execution yeah. of a political thing. But when he lifted or tried to lift the, the head of severed head of Mary... He wound up just lifting the red wig because Mary um, had a wig and her head was actually still on the floor. And accounts say that her lips were still moving in the head. It's so gruesome. Yeah, the muscles and I guess the nerve endings are still firing at that point. Basically, like centuries after her death, like she's still like a people really fascinated by it. There was films in 1971, as we talked about. The newer one uh, came out in 2018. Uh, Mary Queen of Scots. There was some Sasseries Ronan plays Mary and Margot Robbie as Elizabeth. And it was actually a TV show rain from 2013 to 2017, which was all about Mary's life. So like it's still like she still we this, should have prepped for this by watching some TV stuff. There's still a um, yeah, there's still like a lot of fascination with her because a lot of people still say even though that she wanted to become queen, that she didn't really have any chance to ever become queen. She really wasn't a threat at all to Mary. That's what a lot of historians that I saw were really arguing that she never had a real chance to actually become queen. That it was just like the paranoia that Mary had and the, the Protestants to just get rid of her, get rid of her, get rid of her, because as long as she's there, there is a threat. Even if it wasn't a big threat, it's still a threat. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And even afterwards, things kind of fell apart on a, on a global scale because of the fact that Philip II of Spain was one of Mary's like biggest, strongest supporters yeah. for her claim. So what ends up happening is afterwards, he's like, oh, 
all right, I'm going to try to buddy up to Elizabeth instead. And Elizabeth's like kind of keeping him on his side. All right, yeah, maybe I like you. Meanwhile, she's just like, all right, I want my fleet to attack the Spanish fleet. And it leads to more warfare after this because of the fact that a lot of these nations really counted on Mary ascending and taking over the British throne, but it never happened. And after that, to consolidate her strength and power, Elizabeth had to kind of backtrack a little bit, kind of erase Mary's supporters, even though Mary was dead. So yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Go watch the yeah, movie, guys. Yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot out there on her. A lot out there on her. She has some famous, interesting quotes, too, that she writes in her letters, so they're always good to look at. Okay, okay. Wasn't there a bunch of love letters that they say, like, now maybe our proof, maybe are not proof as to whether... She really did cheat on her second husband. They said they called them casket letters. There's like poems and letters that uh, Mary wrote to Bothwell about like maybe getting together with Bothwell to kill her husband. But today, a lot of historians are like, yeah, it's just some poems. Like, well, it's because it's because of this quote that they found. It says, "If I could be anything in the world, I would want to be a teardrop because I would be born in your eyes, live on your cheeks, and die on your lips." So that was kind of, and then her husband dies. Yeah, so scandalous. Anyway, so I think that pretty much sums up our podcast on Mary Queen of Scots. If you guys need to follow us, you can find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. Thank you so much for all your support. We do appreciate it, and we'll see you guys again next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.